0: What up, world? It's your pass-first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're going to recap two games against the Denver Nuggets. Blazers went to Denver for two. Uh, over the weekend, Friday and Sunday, came away with two losses. But I thought, in, in the grand scheme of losing basketball games, these were pretty, pretty heartening losses. Losses that didn't make you come away pulling your hair out. I thought there was some some obvious bright spots and some growth for the Blazers. We'll talk about that. Uh, Scoot was really, really good on Friday night, continuing a nice stretch for himself. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was really good on Sunday night, putting together his best basketball of the season over the last six games and and picking up after a lackluster Friday night performance. We'll talk about both of of those two gentlemen, and then we'll talk about the growth across the roster and just kind of where where we're at as we head into uh, maybe the final game of this group uh, as, as the Blazers don't play again. Until the after the all-star break. Or excuse me, after the trade deadline, not the all-star break. So uh let's do what we do. We're gonna recap two games here. Let's start with with Friday evening in Denver. The Blazers lose 120-108. They're down 20, they're down 13 after one, 20 to 33. Uh Denver led by as many as fifteen, but a monster second quarter got the Blazers back in this game. Uh they outscored Denver 35-26 in that quarter. Scoot Henderson led the way with 16 points and four boards. He shot four of five from the floor, two of three from three. It got to the free throw line for six free throws, made them all. The Blazers as a team were 12 of 18 in the second quarter and four of seven from three. Just just a really hot, like you know, one of their best offensive quarters of the season, no doubt about it. And that cuts the, that cut the lead to 59-55. Denver heading into uh, the second half. Blazers, you know, came came roaring back from down 13, took a lead. Denver closes closes and takes a lead into the break, and then Denver led throughout the second half blazers never despite being down four at the end of two never got the lead back in the final two quarters denver led 84 92 after three and then it was just a classic blazer game that we've seen so many times they never got closer than four they're about two minutes into the quarter they, they cut it to four but they never were down by more than 12 this is kind of they've played a lot of these games this season where they're just they're there but they're not quite there and this was a there but not quite their game if if you've if you've ever seen one and th- and that's absolutely what this was i thought the Denver just kind of out-talented them. They played this game without Jeremy Grant, who was a late scratch with uh, with back tightness. And uh, Tumati Kamara got the start in this game. Anthony Simons led the way with, or excuse me, Scoot Henderson led the way with 30 points, five boards, two assists. He had just two turnovers in 37 minutes. He was 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Made his got to the free throw line and made free throws. He was three of seven from three. That's a really nice shooting night from three. And eight of 15 from the floor, which means he made twos. Five of eight on two pointers. The best game of Scoot's career and and what I loved about it is even with Malcolm Brogdon in the lineup, they let Scoot play at the end of the game. They went with a three-guard lineup at the end of the game. You know, that's not a great lineup, like for obvious defensive and size purposes, right? And Denver's like particularly big, so it's uh, it's tough against them, but... You got, if if Scoot's going to have that game, you absolutely have to reward him. Um, and and Brogden had had a nice first quarter, but a nice first half but was kind of quiet late, and then and Scoot and Ant were were awesome. And 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 a night for where Scoot and Ant can be really good together is is meaningful for the Blazers because. If that duo can work, it's gonna have to like it's gonna have to work by them being really good on offense because it's a safe bet. They will never be particularly good on defense with that duo. Ambrey Simons, twenty-nine points, four boards, four assists. He was eleven of twenty-three from the floor, four of ten from three. Uh 10 for Tumani Kumar in his start. 7 points, 8 boards for, Dion, uh, for Jabari Walker. Deandre Ayton, just a really weird and quiet night. 8 points, 3 rebounds, uh, 6 field goal attempts, and took 2 free throws. A really quiet night. Duop Reef had 10 off the bench. Matisse, Theibel, 3 scoreless nights for Murray, Manaya, and Baji, who played all who all played at the end of the game. Uh, on the other side, Nikola Jokic, 27 points, 22 boards, 12 assists. He was 11 of 16 from the floor, and I felt like all 5 of his misses were makeable he's nuts he was nuts in that game like he just he just he was he's I mean he's like a two-time MVP best player in the game type of of talent he's really stinking good and he just um he just the Blazers didn't no one has an answer for him it's not a good way to guard Nikola Jokic too strong Um, for, to, to switch, if you double team, he's going to pass over the double team. Um, and if you just guard him straight up, he's like a little, he's so crafty and seemingly a little bit quicker, even though he seems slower than every big man who tries to guard him. And he's strong as hell and incredibly effective from floater range. Maybe the one of the great, like three to eight foot touch shots ever. Like he's so good there. He's, he's impossible to deal with, uh, 18 from Aaron Gordon. Uh, to go with five assists, 16 from Guitavis Caldwell-Pelp, 13 from Jamal Murray, 13 from Michael Porter Jr., 13 from Reggie Jackson, and 14 from Peyton Watson off the bench. Uh, that was game one. Scoot was really good. We'll talk about him in the second segment. Uh, and then they come back for game two. It's like in game one, they just kind of got stiff-armed, right? Bad. They're a bad first-quarter team. They're the worst first-quarter team in the NBA. They played like it. They battled back with an awesome second quarter and then the Denver just kind of took control in the second half and never let them, never ran away, but never let them stay, you know, get, 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 truly, truly make it scary. So, game two. That's your fastest recap in the game. In the, that's your fastest recap in the West for Game 1. Game 2 in Denver, Sunday night, back at it. Still no Jeremy Grant out with the back injury, and, and, and uh, Malcolm Brogdon sits in this one, too, with uh, the same thing they've been listing him out with, which is a right knee contusion. It must be a really bad bruise that he's dealing with if, if every every so often they got to sit him down. Um, uh, Blazers, in this one, did, did not have a stinker first, first quarter. They had a great one. They scored 37 points, led 37-25 after one. And even with Denver, you knew, they were going to, you knew they were going to bounce back, but even with Denver making a charge in in the second quarter, the Blazers held on to the lead, led 63-60 at the break. DeAndre Ayton 14-4 and in the first half. Emery Simons 15 points, three boards, four assists in the first half. He was great. Blazers were 10-18 of 18 from three. You knew when you shoot that well from three, there's a regression coming, right? Like it's going to be tough and you're only up three, and it's like, all right but the Blazers held on for the first 11 minutes and 55 seconds of the third quarter. They never relinquished the lead. Last five seconds. Things got dicey. Nuggets close the third quarter on an 11-0 run to take an 86-84 lead. Blazers played them tough, played really, you know, really solid, um, really, you know, really, really solid, uh, uh, third quarter to stay in. It's, uh, I missed this, but I'll, I'll, I'll jump back to it. In the first half, Scoot Henderson, nine points, seven assists, uh, made six free throws. Uh, but Blazers, you know, solid third quarter, hanging the game, still up for the, until the five second mark when Jokic's a little floater, nuggets it finally take a lead into the into the third quarter. Uh, riding that eleven zero run and that lead swelled to twenty three to two. Eleven zip to take a two a two point lead into the fourth quarter and then a twelve two to open the fourth. That's your twenty three to two run. All of a sudden, they're up 98 86. Blazers up down 12 with you know just under eight minutes left. See ya ball game. Uh, Blazers never get back in it, they lose 112 103. That's your fastest recap in the West. In game two in Denver, Amphrey Simons, another big one, 26 points, six boards, nine assists. He was eight of 18 from the floor and four of eight from three. Um, he was, you know, he was, he was good in his in his two games against the champs on offense. 27 points a season high, nine boards, four assists from DeAndre Ayton. This was exactly the type of response you wanted to see from DA. He had a stinker invisible game on Friday and he just comes back 14 in the first half. He had this is this is the DeAndre Ayton, 14 and 4 in the first half, 13 and 5 in the second half. Solid as a rock um, you know you're not going to be able to handle Nikola Jokic no one can guard him so it's it, it is what it is but I thought um, I, I thought DA was was solid in this game eight for Chris Murray who got the start his first career start Chris Murray just like comes on came out with his hair on fire finished with with eight points uh, two assists and two boards four from Jabari Walker who, who missed all five of his three-point attempts six from Matisse Thibel who missed four of his five three-point attempts. Uh, Scoot Anderson, 14, Tumani Kamara, 10, Duap Reef had 8, Justin Minaya scoreless in his 10 and a half minutes. On the other side, Nikola Jokic, 29 to go with eight boards and seven assists. No double-double. Keep a Keep him out of those that statistical symmetry. 21 for Jamal Murray, 12 from Porter Jr., uh, 12 from Aaron Gordon, 11 from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and, and 12 from Peyton Watson. Reggie Jackson, big government, had seven off the bench. Uh, Christian Brown, four, and DeAndre Jordan, Four, but didn't play in the second half. He had one he had one shift and dunked it twice. Um, the Blazers, like I mentioned, 10 of 18 in the first half from three, one of thirteen from three in the second half. You knew the regression was coming, like they just weren't gonna shoot, they just weren't gonna shoot that well, right? They They weren't gonna shoot, they weren't gonna shoot that well from three. It came in a hurry. It really they just bricked. They just made bricks. They didn't make a three in the third quarter when the game. But they kind of still hung in the game, and then when Denver made a push, they only made one three in the fourth, and that's you know it's 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 tough for them. Um, it's tough for anybody if you if you make one three in 24 minutes of modern NBA basketball, you better be really good on defense and score a lot of points in the paint. Um, you know, and then the Nuggets are really good. I I I came away from both of these games. Neither one of them were I, I where I thought like ah dang like this this team isn't good or anything like that like I that just it. it Both of these games were. I felt like the Blazers just got out-talented. I I didn't think they got cheated in any way. I thought they just got straight up out-talented. And to me, when you get out-talented, that's not that big of a deal. That's that. That's you're missing Malcolm Brogdon, missing Jeremy Grant. You're already shorthanded. You're not a very good offensive team. You're missing two of your best offensive players. Like in the for the most part, after watching these two games against Denver, I think two things. One. I think Peyton Watson's really good, and we're going to enjoy watching him in the playoffs. That's a that's a really useful defensive wing to go with Denver's like near perfect starting lineup. And that how can how could I be frustrated with the way the way the Blazers played? I felt good about it. Felt good about it. And I particularly felt good about the performances of Scoot Henderson and the bounce back game from DeAndre Ayton. Let's talk about both those two gentlemen in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Linked in when you're hiring for your small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free linkedin isn't just another job board linkedin has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire it gives you access to these professionals you're just not going to find anywhere else and linkedin does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting their job on LinkedIn's job board. LinkedIn knows that small small businesses are wearing so many hats and you might not have time or resources to hire. That's why they're constantly finding ways that it's easier for you as the hiring manager, as the owner of a small business, to make the process easier They've even launched a feature that lets you write your job description and makes that, that writes a job description for you, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So why not use it for yours? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked MBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA for to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Therapy can be help you when you are going through an acute traumatic event. If something bad happens to you, talking to a therapist can be incredibly valuable, but talking to a therapist can also just be valuable to navigate the bumps and of everyday life, routine maintenance for yourself. Therapy is the way that you are going to find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Start, the, start getting those tools, start sharpening those tools that you're going to need to live your best life and to be the best version of yourself that you can be. If you're thinking about uh, getting trying therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It, it can be different for everyone, and, and most of us have bigger problems than getting mad about our favorite sports teams losing to the champs a couple times. It's important to get better, uh, your things off your chest once in a while. So, if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be flexible, suited to your schedule. Visit slash locked on and get 10% off your first month. That's slash locked on NBA. All right. So, Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton first, and we'll talk about Scoot Henderson here. Two gentlemen who I think have been really playing better of late. DeAndre Ayton was not good on Friday night. He had one of those frustrating, invisible games where it's just like, do they have a don't don't they have an athletic seven foot center on the roster? Where's he at? Wouldn't that be useful? And I, I also want to say I recognize that it's a zero sum game. Like if. Uh, if Scoot Anderson scores 30, there are less points and less shots for, for, for DA, right? Like I'm not like, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I mean, maybe a little stupid, but I'm not stupid about this. Uh, like I, I get it, right? Like I'm not, it's not confusing to me. Like why didn't he also score this many points? Like he did, There's only so many shots and so many possessions and, 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 and all those things. Right. But, he was even just like without just like hunting the box score and say it's only three of six only six field goal attempts like just watching the game he didn't feel him right you didn't feel you didn't feel DA but even including that game the last six games he's been DeAndre Ayton that we thought we would see all year long over the last six games including Friday night stinker 19.2 points 8.8 boards on 63 and a half percent shooting from the field Hasn't missed a free throw during that stretch either. Doesn't take a ton of free throws, but hasn't missed a free throw during that stretch either. Has taken uh, eight free throws in that stretch. It's, he has been good. He has been good. I have been frustrated with, with DeAndre Ayton all year long, and I've been very clear about that here, but like when people play well, you should say they play well. He is playing well. And why I mentioned that Friday night stinker is because it's like, Jokic has kind of tormented DA yeah, in the past he's he, there's there's you know he he has given the Suns and DeAndre Ayton while wearing a Suns jersey the business he he's he's you know um there was a run in 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 the when the Suns made the, made the finals in 2021 when DeAndre Ayton guarded Jokic as well as anyone in the world probably the best anyone has guarded Nikola Jokic in th- three years or whatever it is right but then the following years uh Jokic has, has kind of got him back a little bit um and and Friday night wasn't one of those nights where it's just like Jokic is the best player on the court. He's got 22 boards. He's dominating. He's getting to his spots. Like it's not all on it's not all on Aiton by any means. Um, and the Blazers were, were were switching and trying some different things. And he, he wasn't guarding him straight up. But like and then like and like Jokic dominating a matchup isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> like it's like a freaking MVP, uh, best player in the game. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but but just just you know watching the game, it's like hmm. DA, DA's not in this one. He's like he's just not in, in this one. He you know, it's just it's just a night where he's not here and yeah, hopefully he comes back. And he came back as loud as he has all year long on Sunday. Right away. Took 9 shots in the first quarter. Right away incredibly aggressive incredibly assertive rolled to the rim with purpose like um you know he, he there was a couple of passes where he could have dunked but he caught it and came down and scored and, and like it's whatever nitpick nitpick if you need to for me i'm just gonna say he played well played well and he was consistent it wasn't like he had this monster first quarter and then kind of went back into his shell 14 and four in the first half uh 13 and five in the second half consistent all nights competitive against Jokic like you're not you're just not going to do anything um there was two there were two plays where I thought he he was not particularly like notably uncompetitive against Jokic one a pump fake that Jok gave him and he put his hand up and then t- turned towards the rim but Jokic hadn't shot the ball he'd just given him a heavy pump fake and DA was caught flat-footed looking the wrong direction like a cartoon character that's one play out of how many minutes did he play one play out of 27 minutes. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong bo- Looking at the wrong box score. One play out of 38 minutes. I thought he was good. And then there was another one where the, where a, a loose ball came back to Jokic, um, or excuse me, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope set a down screen on him, and Jokic caught a ball, uh, like in the in the mid range, and, and like Da just didn't really fight over the screen. Other than that, I thought he was. I thought he was competitive. I thought he was excellent. And he's just. He, Excellent, might be too far. I thought he was competitive and just really darn solid, and he had a great scoring night, twenty-seven and nine, on a night with no Malcolm Brogdon, and no Jeremy Grant. You need D.A. to step up and be that, and he absolutely was. Respect, like, res- like nothing but respect for my center. Um, but like, he was, he was good, and he's been good, and it's, it's taken him a long time to get here. But over the last six games, nineteen and nine on sixty-four percent shooting. It, it, All of the other stuff that makes DeAndre Ayton frustrating might still pop up and all of those things, right? But if he averages 19 to 9 and 64% shooting, a lot less of it, like a lot less of it. I'll say this. um, One thing I've noticed watching a million DeAndre Ayton possessions this year is that he's a really good Pairing with someone who gets double teamed, he doesn't set physical screens, but because he doesn't, he gets out quickly on slips. So when teams when teams double team Anthony Simons, he's the only guy in on the team that gets double teams with any consistency. When they double team Ant, Da slips out really quickly, and I think to, tonight he passed the ball really well. They even ran like a, a play at the top of the key for him, where he got to to make a read, and he had a really nice pass inside to to um, Chris Murray and a nice pass on to the opposite wing on a, on another play. It's uh, to Anthony Simons who hit a three. Um I think D. A. from last Monday probably against the Sixers probably threw the best pass I've seen him make all year when he caught it on the block and then whipped it one-handed opposite wing um, like quickly with in one motion. I think he's passed the ball better this week than he has all year, and that's like that's the comfort of getting more pick and roll reps and getting there. He's gotten better. Respect, respect to DeAndre. He's he's just straight up played a lot better. I went a little long on D. A. Let's talk about Scoot Henderson in the uh, in the third segment, and we'll talk about some growth across. The roster from some other folks as well. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Wants to wish you a very happy Super Bowl week. One week from today, we'll be watching the tail end of the Super Bowl. It'll probably be over actually, based on when I'm recording this now. But uh, we will we will have watched the Super Bowl. And if you are not someone who has wagered on sports in the past, the Super Bowl is the time to get involved. If you have someone who's wagered on sports in the past, the Super Bowl rocks, and you know it. Uh, But if you are a first-time user, or a first-time FanDuel user even, and you've used uh, whatever else why not go to FanDuel.com slash on right now? You place a $5 bet this week, any $5 bet this week, they want to give you $250 in bonus bets to play with. And then you would have $250 in bonus bets to mess around with all all Super Bowl long. Listen, the Super Bowl is fun because it's like a million little props. You can bet you know, on, you know, who scores the first touchdown, anytime touchdown score receiving yards. This guy's going to have more receptions than that guy. Like, every single little prop you're ever going to want and all of America is watching it so if you if you want to get involved don't wait go to fanduel.com slash locked on place your $5 bet get your 250 bucks and bonus bets to play with it's FanDuel America's number one sports book and FanDuel an official partner of the NFL still a pass first point guard I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers Scoot Anderson. Scoot Henderson is starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure it out. You know, he's had a stretch where he's just been really good. He's been really good. He was he was really good against Philly. He was really really good in the first half against Milwaukee, and he didn't try to do too much in the second half against Milwaukee. Even though he went scoreless, like he wasn't he wasn't out of control or like hey I'm gonna score thirty. He he played the game that was right in front of him, which you got to respect someone who just like understands the assignments. Like like okay, I you know this this isn't for me now. We gotta we gotta like play basketball, and and then on Friday against Denver, thirty. 30, like 30 and, and eight to 15 from the floor and gets to the free throw line. Scoot's pace has been really good. Um, he always has been fast, but early in the year he used fast as his, as his default, right? I'm, f- I'm faster than you. I'm going to, and I'm going to show it, but Everybody's fast in the league, and people are strong, and 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 they can and if they're gapping you and letting you shoot jumpers, and then you try to just like turbo past them, holding the turbo button down is not always going to work. His pace and his change of pace and his f- slow, slow, fast, 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 slow, that ability has been has has he's really improved there with his understanding of pace and understanding of when to turbo, understanding of like survey, 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 see the crack. Get into the defense. Like as soon you know, as soon as you see that little that little sliver of space, then you get to the rim. His finishing hasn't quite been there. Still not a great finisher. Why I mentioned that he that that he shot five of eight from two against the Nuggets is because that's been a big difference. He he finished well against like Milwaukee too as well. Like that hasn't been there. He's he's gotten better. Like if you look at the sort of post injury return from injury put on the goggle scoot and nitpick a little bit or uh, cherry pick a little bit rather excuse me um you could you could say like he shot it pretty well this year <laughs> but all, all of the games count so like you know he's he, he didn't he was outrageously bad shooting at the beginning of the season so he's still not a, a particularly good shooter and gets treated like such but recently he shot so much better from three and the thing that's holding him back is that he can't make layups right like that's that's the difference in him being an excellent basketball player and a really good one um or like a I don't know what he is right now. He's like but he's below that end of the spectrum. He's like a, a player figuring it out. But but the, but the the layup making and I've been on this for like 6 weeks. The layup making is going to be the thing that changes his projection. If he can't make layups it doesn't matter if he can't shoot but he's mitigating that by getting to the free throw line. Here's the trick. Scoot has figured out because of his pacing and because of his burst that he can just get into people and get into defenders' airspace before they're ready, and he uses that burst to attack people's chest, to attack people's arms, and get fouled and get to the free throw line against Philly he took 9 free throws he only had 2 against Milwaukee but he was pretty quiet in the second half then he had 12 against Denver on on Friday night in, in route and he had made 11 of them in route to 30 points and he had 6 more in the first half against Denver on Sunday and he's making his free throws he's made 42 of his last 43 attempts according to the Blazers broadcast um, he had a, he had a, the, at one point the longest stretch uh, in the league of made free throws with 27 in a row or whatever it was, uh, but like 42 of his last 43, he's getting to the free throw line and he's making free throws, and that's that's going to be the thing that can can make it, can separate him and make him really special. You know, I think there were people. And if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, shout out to my everydayers. You know that I was never panicked on Scoop, but I was like very clear that he had not been good. And I think like that's, that was what I was willing to say. Has Scoop been good? No. I think this week was the first time, without a doubt, that he has put together multiple games in a row. Philly, Milwaukee, Denver on Friday, where he just played. He, said he played, played a good game. No qualifiers, no good game for a 19-year-old, no good game for a 19-year-old who shot 30% and turned the ball over a jillion times in his first game, no good game for a player off the bench, no good, you know, like, good game for a rookie, good game for a rookie, blah, 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 like, no qualifiers. Played, played well. I think he played well. Against Philly, I think he played well. Against Milwaukee, I think he played well. I, against Denver, he obviously played well, played the best game of his career. This was the first stretch of his career in which he has unequivocally just play, linked together to three, you know, multiple good games where you where you don't have to say and but, and but well but. Legit. Legit like leg, legitimately played well. Um you know, if you were racing to call him a bust or whatever it was, um hold on cuz he, he's not that good yet. You can maybe still get your takes off, but like This is the patience needed for a 19-year-old. The hope was that Scoot didn't need that patience right and I think the Blazers organization thought he would be further along than he was it's why they penciled him in as the starting point guard in the beginning you know from game one and they clearly wasn't ready and they've dialed back his ask and dialed back his minutes and dialed back his role and he's gotten better there and he's ready um, in my eyes for more freeze scoot. but like m- more importantly he's this is the progress you were hoping for we're just past the midway points you know we're going to get to the all-star break and then we're going to get to the true sort of what people call the second half of the season the final third of the season and and like at the at this point, as we've as we're in this middle third, this is the best Goudas look. This is the progress he wanted, and he's figuring out. His warts are still there, right? Like on Sunday against against the the Nuggets, he did not shoot well at all. Three of sixteen from the floor, but he was two of six from three. That means he was one of ten inside the arc. One of ten. One of ten. Like that's that's outrageous, but. He gets to the free throw line and takes six free throws. He had nine dimes, including seven in the first half. He finishes with nine with 14, 8, and 9. Solid. Like that's a solid game. And mitigates the whack shooting by getting some free throws, by making having some easy. Like, you know, he um he probably wouldn't have played as much if, if Brogdon was available because he was not he was not shooting super well. And then and, and um it is what it is. Like they're, they're when he's struggling, they're taking him out of the game, and that's a choice they make. And I think in for the, for the grand scheme, totally fine. But like this was, this is what you kind of hope for from Scoot. And he's put it together. And then even when he kind of had a stinker night on Sunday, shooting the ball, he found a way to fill up the box score and be productive and not be like it didn't feel like Scoot was this outrageous negative on the court. Like he, it felt like it felt like he was just having a night where he was I, particularly early felt like a night who's forcing, forcing some shots and forcing some uh, getting into harder, harder buckets. And, and after he, he didn't get to the free throw line after in the second half, and, and that kind of, he would have had like, he would have had an excellent game if he had taken three more free throws in the second half and finished with, you know, 17, eight, and nine, you'd be like, well, Hey, even with a bad shooting, that's a pretty, pretty awesome one. So, Respect to Scoot. Uh, I was going to talk about everyone across the roster, but again, I'm running long, so I'll do it super quick. Chris Murray started his first game, um, first play. He drives into the paint, kicks to kicks to the corner. Amfrey Simon gets gets a three pointer, a drive, kick assist, just a great read, good basketball play. Then gets a steal and a run out. Then had another uh, bucket on a cut. Like Chris Murray was, he, you know, the shooting is still not quite there for him, but I think he's been really, really, he's been much better on defense than I would have guessed for him I thought he was going to be a better you know I thought he was gonna be a shooter who was not good at the other stuff he's more like a tough kind of like rugged physical defender who's not good at offense right now and as he continues to you know he's been he's just like looked more like an NBA player recently he's still certainly a below average NBA player but like um, he's you can see the growth you can see it you can see it there and that's what this season is um, is about I, I think Tamati Kamara has bounced back really really well he had you know 10 on Friday 10 points in the starting lineup on Friday 10 points coming off the Bench on Sunday in two games in Denver's first uh, back-to-back double-digit scoring game since the beginning of January when he did it twice in blowouts against Dallas. Very different circumstances. Back-to-back, back-to-back double-digit scoring nights for him. If he just is like a decent, you know, made two of three threes on Sunday. If he shoots, if he does that, he's an NBA. He's like a good NBA player. If he shoots okay. He's going to be a good NBA player. If he shoots slightly below average, he's going to be a good NBA player because the the, the margin for him is just like he is so competitive as an offensive play, as a defensive player and as a hustle guy that if he can just he can just climb to being decent on offense, he's going to be really good. Um, and I think these last two games, as after his minutes were kind of cut in January, to see him play a little bit better again with with Jeremy Grant out and kind of has to play has to play more and he didn't talk. He played crazy minutes. Um, you know, he played. Less than twenty three on off the bench on Sunday, and in the starting lineup he played less than twenty four, so he's still playing like half the game. Solid, solid from Tumani. You'd you love to see it. I will say quietly, Matisse Thibel struggling right now. Uh, over his last fifteen games, he's shooting under thirty percent from three. Um, they need him to be better on offense. That opens up so much for him. But I, but I think the young guys are really. I think Scoot is getting there, and 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 Tumani is getting has has been a little bit better recently. And Chris Murray, you can see the edges of a player getting there, and. Um, this season like they're you know 15 and 35 what you're rooting for is that incremental development from the young guys and I think you've seen it a little bit and I came away from these Denver games thinking like oh cool cool I you know no no I was I was mostly thought like yeah they play pretty well we saw more of the Amphrey Simons and Scoot pairing by you know by necessity in in the Sunday's game and I didn't think it was awful and they played pretty well together in minutes on 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 Friday's game too so um Let's see more of it. There's no don't run from it. At least give us four, five, six minutes of it a night. And and then and then we'll figure it out from there. Um, is this the last time we see this version of the Blazers roster? Maybe. They do not play again until Thursday evening. they got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then Thursday evening they played the Pistons in Portland, and that is trade deadline day. So that game will happen post-trade deadline. If the Blazers are to make any moves. This is the last chance you saw their roster. I guess uh, against Milwaukee was the last full version of the roster you saw. And I'll say this. I'm bearing this late because I think it's just for my tinfoil hat heads. Do I think Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon were held out because the Blazers don't want them to get hurt before trade deadline? No, I don't. I think Jeremy Grant legitimately has a back injury. I think they've been managing Malcolm Brogdon's minutes because he's, um, you know, his health has been a challenge. You know, staying healthy has been one of his challenges. And he's, you know, if he's nursing this knee thing, he's nursing this knee thing. But I'll say this, if they were holding them out, it would look exactly the same. It would look exactly the same. This would be the exact thing that it would happen if they were holding them out because they were, you know, not because they're going to be traded, but because they're in trade discussions and don't freaking risk it. Just like get healthy and we don't play again until Thursday. I don't buy that conspiracy theory. But if that conspiracy theory were true, it would look exactly like it did Sunday night in Denver. Okay, so next time, uh, well, next time we see these gentlemen play, they might be a new team. They might be the exact same team. If they're the exact same team, I will lose my mind. A small amount, small amount of mine, <laughs> me losing my mind, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. This week, we're going to, you know, look, look ahead to the trade deadline, round up rumors, all of those things. It's what we do five days a week wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Come back for more shows. A fun week in, in the NBA ahead. Tell your friends about the show. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.